Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Coming at you from Heather's childhood bedroom. <laughs> I feel like that's the title of a really creepy fan website. Coming at, Coming you, at from- you from Heather's childhood bedroom. <laughs> Um, I'm going to Google that when we're done and hope it doesn't exist because um, I've had a few semi-stalkers in my time. Uh, so please let that not be real. Great. Also, if you are one of Heather's stalkers oh my God. and we know you are. Oh wait, God. that came out wrong. Oh, no. I mean, you can no, be a if, fan without being are, a stalker. If you are one of Heather's stalkers, we're not actually in her childhood bedroom. I mean, we are. So, no, I'm trying to throw them off the scent okay. so they don't know where to find well, you to right now. to be fair, now. we didn't move here till I was 14, so this actually isn't my childhood bedroom. It's like my pubescent bedroom. <laughs> Coming at you from Heather's pubescent bedroom is not any better. <laughs> Coming at you from the room where Heather used to sneak boys out the window. And yes, we are on the second floor. And (laughs) to be fair, the only boy that ever snuck out was Ben Paul, who was like my best friend. And we didn't know we liked each other (laughs) because I was pretty much a tomboy. Very Dawson's Creek. It was so Dawson's Creek, even though I never watched it. (laughs) But like every time I tell that story to someone, they're like, oh. You're Dawson and what's her face, Katie Holmes. Like, I don't want to wait for our lives to be over. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, we're coming at you from where we started all of this, honestly. Like, we just didn't mention, I think we did mention it early on that we were in my, my childhood bedroom, but. Or at the very least, that we were in this house. We were in my family's house, but we are back. Our stuff is in storage. Um, we now live in a 10 by 10, technically all our stuff lives in a 10 by 10 storage unit in Tiffin, Iowa. It's a very nice storage unit. <laughs> Why am I unit? Tri- triangulating our location right now? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> my only guess is you're really hoping your stalkers do show up. I don't because, want that. Well, the thing is, if we can get, if we can get a couple of like creepy stalker fans to show up, <laughs> Um, will become much more popular. Yeah, like that's that's some big press right there. That's, that's true. I mean, I don't think I want that kind of press necessarily. Like they say all press is good press. I would rather not have a stalker. Like just, I mean. Coward. <laughs> so Ken's address is. <laughs> is the same as yours. You really want to play this game? I know. Well, that's true. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we're here. Um, we've had a very busy week. Lina is all better. Um, for those of you who listened last week and she, when she was on the mend, she's all better and back to her normal sassy self. Um, and we drove 17 hours in a U-Haul towing my little yellow beetle behind us uh, cross country um, to, I've already said it, Iowa City. <laughs> But Iowa City is a big place. I mean, it's not huge, but, you know. Um, And we are all settled in. We got everything moved in the storage unit. I was only pooped on once during (laughs) our 17-hour drive across country. Sorry. I didn't mean to. No, (laughs) No, Lina had a little... When you gotta go. When you gotta go. Lina had a little accident. I think it was the medicine she was on to make her feel better was like 
also regulating her uh, her systems. And normally when we travel with her, she just doesn't eat and doesn't like go to the restroom. It's like she like shuts it all down, which I wish humans could do. That'd be badass. That'd be great. I'd use that superpower like at the movie theater. Oh, yeah. Like, I, like I don't even need the the 17 hour shutdown. If I could do like a three hour, just I know I'm not going to have to pee for the next three hours. That'd be awesome. And still drink my big gulp, like whatever. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, so she just, uh, she was making a lot of noise. This was about 12 hours in and we were like, what's going on? And so Ken picked her up and she just like sat down in his lap and took a shit. <laughs> right on him i didn't realize for several minutes that i had been pooped on because it was dark yeah so she she pooped on my lap and then she jumped down uh at at my feet where she pooped again but once again (laughs) i didn't know and then she crawled back up and got into her her little crate and sort of curled up and i was like oh okay well i guess you got over whatever the issue was and then this was i think we were driving through ohio at the time Yes. And all of a sudden I was overcome. No, I think we were in Indiana. Were we we're, in Indiana yes. by then? All right. Well, anyway. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> I was overcome by uh, the smell of cow manure. I was like, oh, wow, we are going through some gnarly farmland. And then my hand brushed something kind of <laughs> textured yeah. on my leg. And I went, oh, no, we're not going through some gnarly farmland. I have cat poop on my leg. <laughs> Yeah, um, she was so embarrassed too. Like Lina, like wouldn't look Ken in the face until we stopped and threw all the like like antibacterial wipes and stuff we cleaned her off with. Like she like literally was sitting in her little carrier with her head, all, like h- hanging over the side, staring at the ground, and like <laughs> it was so sweet. Poor little Munchkin. She was such a baby, but we got here. We cleaned the poop pants and uh, all is well. <laughs> yep. So how was your week? <laughs> In fairness, I know that that we've got listeners who are like parents of, oh, yeah. of infants and well, toddlers. So I, they were probably pooped on this they week They probably too. were too. Like me, when Lina was sick, I was literally wiping my cat's butt. And I was like, I have a literal baby in our house right now. <laughs> Like, there's poop everywhere and I'm wiping like butt poop off my cat's butt. Like this is like parenting 101. So to all the parents out there, including mine who raised me and your mom who raised you and Craig, like, thank you. Thank you for wiping our butts. <laughs> Cleaning mom, up poop. Um, I know that you're in a, a strange place right now. And by strange place, I mean on a boat in Mexico. And so you might not be able to listen to this episode um, right when we release it. But I just want you to know whenever you do get a chance to this to listen to this episode, I'm really sorry for pooping on you. <laughs> Speaking of cool parents. Um, <laughs> no, I was going to say segue. last night we watched the prom. Which was delightful. Um, it, I didn't get to see it on Broadway. I wanted to see it so bad. And just like with schedule and, you know, like paying rent and all that stuff, it just never happened. Um, and I hate when paying rent gets in the way of your fun. It really does. And that's why we're not paying rent right now. Um, yay. Um, so we watched The Prom last night and I cry. Like I wept a couple of times because... 
It's just, it's really well done. So I want to advocate for Ryan Murphy to direct more movie musicals because all the theatrical lighting and the colors, it, it felt like we were watching a, a like stage musical on film. Yeah. And that is what needs to happen and less stuff like um, Cats and the Les Mis that they did because I had did not appreciate that. So Ryan Murphy <laughs> is greater than Tom Hooper is what you're telling me. Absolutely. Tom Hooper stepped down, Ryan Murphy step up. <laughs> uh, and like it was really a beautiful, I mean if you haven't seen it yet I don't want to give anything away but it's this beautiful story about acceptance and parents accepting your children for who they are and you accepting others for who they are and you accepting yourself for who you are. So it's it's a lot of, it's it's a lot of love during a time when we need love yeah. in this country. I should point out I have seen a lot of detracting reviews. I have seen a lot of people who have some issues with the movie and I understand the issues they I, have. I understand um, some of the casting issues. I understand totally, like, totally I would get much it. prefer to see Beth um, Level but I Mel even Street killed it. I even I even know a, a a few people who have just said like no, I did didn't like the Broadway show and even Meryl Streep isn't enough to make me want to come see this movie. Fine. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I like, I, I get it. Not all plays are for everyone. And certainly, um, there, there was There's a, a stick to this. Yeah. Like there, there was stuff about this that I totally get. It's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, yeah. but it was a, it's a fun movie. It's delightful. And it's by the same writers who wrote, uh, who adapted the wedding singer. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's also the With book was book helped by Bob Martin, Bob Martin, who was on Slings and Arrows and wrote uh, Drowsy Chaperone. So, I mean, that's a hell of a team. And that's my that's my kind of musical. Like, it's just, you know, there's a huge message in it, but it's fun while it's, it's happening. It's mostly so really schlocky. You don't feel like you're getting beat over the head. <laughs> So they did a really good job with it. So uh, the prom, but yeah. Hey, so this is a first for us on Campfire Classics. What you got? Um, I'm going to uh, play a little promo for another podcast who did some cross promotion for us. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've, been, we've been making some friends in the podcasting world. Yeah. So we, uh, um, we've had a little cross promotion and uh, they included us in their episode this week and we uh, want to include them. So uh, we have uh, the Jury Room podcast, which is a new true crime podcast um, hosted by Kevin and it's deep dives into uh, true crime cases um, throughout history. So check them out. We're going to throw the promo in right here. Hi, and welcome to The Jury Room, a true crime podcast. My name is Kevin, and I will be your host on this journey. We will be covering some of the most heinous, some of the most unthinkable, and some of the most monstrous crimes to ever be committed against humanity. We will be covering cannibalistic serial killers, decades-old unsolved mysteries, cold cases and missing person cases the jury room podcast is available on most major podcasting platforms please make sure you leave a review thanks for listening now back to your hosts of campfire classic with ken and heather so uh that was fun and you know what else is fun 
reading stories. <laughs> so uh, this week we're going to continue our like holiday theme. All right. Um, Good or choice. I've decided to. Um, I will tell you the story at the end, but it's by. Hans Christian Andersen, or oh. Hans Christian Andersen, or right. Hans, Hans. Um, so we haven't done uh, one of these. No, we haven't. Because uh, he is mainly known for like fairy tales and stuff, and that's not really where we go a lot. But I found a story that I think is going to be delightful, and I'll right. tell you about it at the end. So uh, little fun facts about Hans. So he was born uh, April 2nd, 1805. Um, in Denmark, and uh, was usually called H.C. Anderson, uh, like by his friends, but he's Hans Christian for H.C. H.C. Um, and he was a prolific writer of plays, travelogues, novels, and poems, but as we all know, he is best remembered for his fairy tales. So Hans Christian Andersen was born in Odense, Denmark, and he was an only child. Now, Anderson's father only received an elementary school education, and he introduced his son to literature by reading him Arabian Nights at night, Ooh. like which is fun. His mother, Anne Marie, was an illiterate washerwoman. Huh. Um, and following her husband's death in 1816, so um, he was 11— Hans was 11, she remarried, and then he was sent to a local school for poor children to receive a basic education, and he had to support himself while he went to school. So he's 11 years old. 11 years old. Going to school, and he was a apprentice to a weaver and a tailor while he did this. So at 14, he moved to Copenhagen uh, to try and seek employment as an actor (laughs) because he was a beautiful boy soprano. Um, and he was accepted into the Royal Danish Theater, and then his voice changed <laughs> because, you know, that happens to boys. I hate it when puberty ruins my career. <laughs> right. Um, so a colleague at the theater told him he should consider uh, he should consider writing because he'd read some of his like poetry and short stories that he just like was fucking around with, really, and was like, "You're good at this. You should focus on writing." So um, the director of the Royal Danish Theater really loved um, Hans and decided to send him to grammar school and get him a proper education. They were like, because they knew his background. He was poor. Um, He didn't have, his father had passed, so he didn't have a lot of money. And Jonas Collins was his his name. And he persuaded King Frederick the V1, that's the fourth? Sixth. Sixth. I always, I damn dyslexia, the six to pay for part of his education. So he convinced the king. Educated on the king's dime. Right? All right. That's like some legit socialism. Love it. Um, so he went off to grammar school um, in, I'm going to butcher this town, Sal Sladjeleze. Sladjeleze. Yeah. Yeah, Slagilize, sure. Sure, that's where it is. Though this next school I can pronounce. So um, he published his first story while he was there, his first short story, The Ghost of Palnatoke's Grave. Um, He was not a great student, like, like, you know, he was a C student, you know, Um, but he also got to attend school at Elsinore. (laughs) 
until 1827. So he went to Hamlet school. Awesome. <laughs> I know. I was like, what? And he was a C student. So, uh, you know, there's hope for everyone. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think he just wasn't like, I mean, I was. Any of my high school uh, teachers that are listening, I know if you follow me on Facebook, uh, they get very mad at me when I was in school because, like, I did not apply myself to subjects that I didn't think were immediately affecting my art because I already knew very much then I wanted to be a th- in theater. And my, my and all my teachers would, like, talk to my parents and be like, she's not applying herself. She's very smart, but she's not giving us, two, like, two minutes. And... So yeah, sometimes see students, you know, you gotta, you gotta focus. So he was very into writing. Um, now he actually said that school was some of the darkest and most bitter years of his life and that the faculty had discouraged him from writing. I know a lot of people who can relate. Yep. <laughs> Grad school. Um, um, and resulted in a deep depression. <laughs> Amen to that. Uh, yep. Uh, so, you know, you do what you do. Um, so he made it through though. Um, one of his very early fairy tales was the tallow candle. And that was actually not discovered until October, 2012, because it was in family archives. Oh, um, it was written in the 1820s. So sometime while he was in school. Right. And it was about a candle who did not feel appreciated. Aww. And the story remained in the family possession until it just turned up. So that's, uh, and it, he he often, um, we'll talk about this with someone he meets a little later, um, uh, that he used his, his poverty and his like connection to the lower classes as inspiration for a lot of his stories. Because huh. um, if you think of fairy tales, yeah. there are a few where they're like princesses and stuff, but a lot of them are actually just like regular people. So... Um, so here's some stories that everyone knows. Um, the first installment of his fairy tales was published in May um, 1835, and this one contained The Little Tinderbox, Little Claws and Big Claws, and The Princess and the Pea. Um, so all these were based on folk tales for the most part, and the booklet was priced at 24 shillings. <laughs> the second booklet came out um, just six months later. And it contained Thumbelina and um, the Traveling Companion, the Naughty Boy, or like some that if you've ever heard of those. But Thumbelina was the most famous, and that was completely Anderson's creation. It was inspired by Tom Thumb, but Thumbelina was like all his, his. own thing. And then the third booklet came out two years later, um, and that contained The Little Mermaid and The Emperor's New Clothes. Um, and that was published uh, April 7th, 1837. Now, that didn't come out for two years because Danish reviewers said the two booklets were not very exciting and they disliked the chatty informal style and immorality that flew in the face of their expectations. Wow. Yeah. So we'd go over really well with those reviewers. I know. <laughs> Fuck those guys because you know what? Hans Christian Andersen has so many things named after him. He's done okay. Um, chill, not it, not they, to mention half of Disney's catalog. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Disney wouldn't exist. Like, I don't even know what my childhood would be with. I mean, now Disney did rewrite the endings, but, you know. Um, children's literature, they said, was meant to educate and not to amuse. <laughs> 
Again, Disney. Assholes. Yep, assholes. Um, so he didn't write those that second collection for two whole years. And then he went, you know what? Screw them. Thank God. So this is that uh, um, uh, meeting that I was going to talk about. So in June of 1847, Anderson paid his first visit to England and met up uh, at a party with Charles Dickens. <laughs> Uh, for the first time, it was a party he was invited to, and um, it says they shook hands and they walked on the veranda, and uh, Anderson actually wrote about this in his diary. Uh, we were on the veranda, and I was so happy to see and speak to England's now living writer whom I do love the most. Yes, huh. so they actually got along very well. Um, the two authors very much respected each other's work because... Um, they had something in common, their depictions of poor and underclass, um, who often had difficult lives, uh, during, uh, affected by the industrial revolution and abject poverty. So they, they had a common, even though very different styles of writing and like who they were writing for, for the most part, their subject subject was very similar. Overlap. Yeah. Um, and this was the era where there was a growing sympathy for children and um, the innocence of childhood. So like they were kind of illuminating what poverty does to that and like how you can, you can still be happy even when you're poor and that kind of stuff. So um, uh, yeah, so they, um, they had a lovely friendship for a long time and um, uh, Anderson's like love life was a little complicated. Uh, He, no one he he was eventually married um but he young early in his life he liked uh the unattainables <laughs> um he actually had a huge crush on Jenny Lind the oh, Swedish nightingale the singer yeah and they were actually very close and he as she got on a train to go off on one of her tours uh he gave her a letter of proposal and she wrote back saying Oh, sweetie, you're like my brother. Love your sister, Jenny Lind. <laughs> so he got he got friend zoned real hard. Um, Sorry, dude. Th- there were also rumors he had attraction to same sex to men. Um, there's no um, evidence that he ever like followed this up, but like during his in his journals, he wrote about it. So um, it wasn't until much later in life that he got married. Um, and he did not consider himself a sexual being. <laughs> like that's um, that's kind of what they wrote on the Wikipedia and on his website. So uh, he lived until 1875. So he's 70 years old, right. um, which really good life lifetime. Not, not bad then. for the time. Um, and he died in a house called Rollinghide, which literally means calmness near Copenhagen. He was with his close friends, his wife, and all you musical theater nerds out there will appreciate this. The A banker was there. I'm guessing they were like f- close friends. And the banker's name was Moritz Melchior, <laughs> which made me literally go, what? Because as musical theater nerds or play, I mean, it's play Spring Awakening. The two main males in that story are Moritz, Moritz and, and Melchior. Melchior. So this guy's name, I don't know if he knew the person, like, because I was in Germany that that yeah. was written. I don't know. This guy's name was Moritz Melchior, so it just made me laugh. Huh. I was like, what a weird coincidence. Um, at the time of his death, Anderson was internationally known and loved, um, and the Danish government paid him an annual stipend as a national treasure. 
So I could go on and on about all the places that have been dedicated to him, named after him. He has a statue in Central Park with the Ugly Duckling. Yeah. Like uh, there are theme parks that are like after him. Music. I mean, it goes on and on. So um, clearly, very successful. And screw those critics. Is basically what I say to that. So yeah. do what you love and fuck fuck it all. Well, living proof that uh, one bad review is not the end of your career. Exactly. So um, today we're going to be reading The Fir Tree or The Pine Tree, depending on translation, because of course he was Danish, so everything's been translated. So this was first published in December 21, 1844, um, in a collection with the Snow Queen, which is a very famous one of his, um, in a book called New Fairy Tales, first volume, second collection. <laughs> so um, right. he's kicking ass. So we're going to read The Fir Tree. All you right. ready? Let's, let's start this fire. Let's do it. The Fir Tree by Hans Christian Andersen. Far down in the forest, where the warm sun and the fresh air made a sweet resting place, grew a pretty little fir tree, and yet it was not happy. Oh, no! It wished so much to be tall, like its companions. Amen. I had that problem (laughs) as a child as well. The pines and firs which grew around it. Ah, like its companions, the pines and firs which grew around it. The sun shone, and the soft air fluttered its leaves, and the little peasant children passed by prattling merrily, but the fir tree heeded them not. Sometimes the children would bring a large basket of raspberries or strawberries wreathed in a straw and seat themselves near the fir tree and say, Is it not a pretty little tree? which made it feel more unhappy than before. Oh my gosh, this poor little tree. (laughs) This is a downer so far. No, I'm sure he's going to grow up and make a family very happy, but I do love that our main character is a tree. Is a a depressed tree. It's going to get better. It has to. I mean, he's depressed, but it's kind of like the giving tree so far, (laughs) like in this one paragraph we read. Like, (laughs) it's bringing such joy to the little kids because it's a kid-sized tree. All you right. know, it's like their happy tree. I've, I've got my fingers crossed. I've got my fingers crossed that this goes in a I, I'm just happy. saying, I know how Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid ends. They're twisted as fuck. I'm, I'm not going to lie. This probably has a twist that, you know, whatever. But so far, adorable. All okay. right. Come on, little tree. I'm, I'm rooting for you. <laughs> I'm rooting for you. I didn't oh, even do that on purpose. No, arboreal puns. <laughs> No. That can be the end of those. <laughs> <laughs> Just get ready. I'll leave that there. And yet all this while, the tree grew a notch or joint taller every year. For by the number of joints in the stem of a fir tree, we can discover its age. Still, as it grew, it complained. Oh, how I wish I were as tall as the other trees. Then I would spread out my branches on every side, and my top would overlook the wide world. I should have the birds building their nests in my boughs. And when the wind blew, 
I should bow with stately dignity like my tall companions. I love that this tree is Eeyore. Yeah. <laughs> Just the voice you chose. I'm like, okay, so we got Eeyore the tree. Yeah. He he ended up landing halfway between Eeyore and I was actually going for a young tree end. A young what? The the tree ends. They're the the oh, from Lord, from of, the Lord Rings, of the Rings, like tree yeah. beard and yeah. The, yeah. The, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. I was going for a young one of them. Yes. The tree was so discontented that it took no pleasure in the warm sunshine, the birds, or the rosy clouds that floated over it morning and evening. Sometimes, in winter, when the snow lay white and glittering on the ground, a hare would come springing along and jump right over the little tree, and then how mortified it would feel. (laughs) Two winters passed. I want to get this tree some Xanax. (laughs) (laughs) Just crunch it up and and mix it in with the watering can? Pour pour a little little, uh, Zoloft on top. Cheer up, buddy. Two winters passed, and when the third arrived, the tree had grown so tall that the hare was obliged to run around it. Yet it remained unsatisfied and would exclaim, Oh, if I could but keep on growing tall and old, there is nothing else worth caring for in the world. In the autumn, as usual, the woodcutters came and cut down several of the tallest trees, and the young fir tree, which was now grown to its full height, shuddered as the noble trees fell to the earth with a crash. Yeah, maybe it's not so good to be tall. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. After the branches were lopped off, the trunks looked so slender and bare that they could scarcely be recognized. Then they were placed upon wagons and drawn by horses out of the forest. Where were they going? What would become of them? The young fir tree wished very much to know. So in the spring, when the swallows and storks came, it asked, Do you know where those trees were taken? Did you meet them? I want this to be a Disney movie. <laughs> I love this tree. <laughs> the swallows knew nothing, but the stork... Yeah, after... swallows are stupid as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, they little bird brains. <laughs> but the stork, after a little reflection, nodded his head and said, Yes, I think I do. I met several new ships when I flew from Egypt. And they had fine masts that smelt like fur. I think these must have been the trees. I assure you, they were stately. Very stately. <laughs> Digging this voice. Oh, how I wish I were tall enough to go on the sea, said the fir tree. What is the sea? And what does it look like? It would take too much time to explain, said the stork, flying quickly away. He's like, uh, okay, five-year-old, I don't have time to answer all your questions. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Like, why is the sky blue? What is the sea? What's the ocean? Yeah. 
Like the whale falling in Hitchhiker's Guide to yeah. the Galaxy. <laughs> that is what's the this, Earth. I wonder if it will be my friend. What's this whooshing sound going past my face? What's that big brown thing running yeah. towards me? I think I'll call it the Earth. I wonder if it'll be my... Ah. <laughs> uh. Rejoice in thy youth, said the sunbeam. Rejoice in thy fresh growth and the young life that is in thee. And the wind kissed the tree, and the dew watered it with tears. But the fir tree regarded them not. Oh, this poor tree doesn't see what it has. He's nope. got joyful sun and nourishment, and the wind just kissed it. Yeah. It's got, it's, well, it's the thing of, like, you can never see what you got mm-hmm. right in front of you. That's very true. That's He wants to be like all the other trees, but he is, or he or they, I don't know the gender of this tree. <laughs> I love the way. <laughs> because it's Eeyore, I've gendered it. But yeah. like, um, you know, it's sweet, sweet baby tree. Yeah, I don't think the text has gendered the tree yet. Okay. Huh. Sweet, sweet, non-gendered, genderless, sad tree. Mopey-ass tree. Mopey-ass tree. Get your shit together. You need a hot chocolate, dude. He needs a hot chocolate for sure. Christmas time drew near, and many young trees were cut down, some even smaller and younger than the fir tree who enjoyed neither rest nor peace with longing to leave its forest home. These young trees, which were chosen for their beauty, kept their branches, and were also laid on wagons and drawn by horses out of the forest. "'Where are they going?' asked the fir tree. (laughs) They are not taller than I am. Indeed, one is much less. And why are the branches not cut off? Where are they going? We know, we know, sang the sparrows. (laughs) This story has a lot of voices. I am loving, well, it's a children's story. I mean, uh, like... Now, his fairy tales tended to be a little dark, but they are still meant as, like, cautionary tales to be shared with children, you know? Um, You know? Yeah, I'm just, I'm going to be, this is, this is giving me a workout. How many? I'm enjoying it. How many cartoony voices can I come up with? I don't know. (laughs) Scott Stackhouse is going to be very proud of you. (laughs) We know, we know, sang the sparrows. We have looked in the windows of the houses in the town, and we know what is done with them. They are dressed up on the most splendid. Ma- <clears throat> they are dressed up in the most splendid manner. We have seen them standing in the middle of a warm room and adorned with all sorts of beautiful things: honey cakes, gilded apples, playthings, and many hundreds of wax tapers. Honey cakes? Yeah. <laughs> you put actual food on a Christmas tree? Yeah. Who does that? It's that's actually one of the the old like traditions. You put like candies, um, cookies. It's where like it's, well, it's why like candy canes. it's why we still hang candy canes and on like them popcorn sometimes. strings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I but, just imagine honey cakes getting real messy real fast. Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> like, I don't think. I think this is also around the same time that like you put up your tree. You decorated it. You ate the decorations because it's Christmas. You take like, down that. Like you're looking at three days, not three weeks. It wasn't a. It wasn't a month. It wasn't okay. Thanksgiving happened. Now we put up the tree. Yeah. yeah, especially since as these people aren't Americans, Thanksgiving isn't a thing. Well, and Thanksgiving isn't really a thing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like Abraham um, Lincoln was like, mm, the 
Tuesday. Mm, I like eating turkey. I like eating turkey a month before I eat another turkey. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna free the slaves and mandate another feast. More holidays should be about food. Aren't most holidays about food? Not nearly enough of them. <laughs> and then asked the fir tree, trembling through all its branches. And then what happens? We did not see any more, said the sparrows, but this was enough for us. <laughs> I wonder whether anything so brilliant will ever happen to me, thought the fir tree. It would be much better than crossing the sea. I long for it almost with pain. Oh, when will Christmas be here? I am now as tall and well-grown as those which were taken away last year. Oh, that I were now laid on the wagon or standing in the warm room with all the brightness and splendor around me. Something better and more beautiful is to come after, or the trees would not be so decked out. Yes, what follows will be grander and more splendid. What can it be? I am weary with longing. <laughs> I scarcely know how I feel. That's called optimism, I think, and he's never felt it before. <laughs> this tree's like, I'm excited, and it's like hurting me. I don't even understand. This tree also has a hard case of comparing itself to everyone else. Yeah. Well, he also doesn't realize that um, what comes after <laughs> is the, the dumpster. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's it's the thing of it's kids who just they always they want to grow up. 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 And, and like, then you Ugh. grow up and you have a job and kids to raise and bills to pay bills to pay. And, and then you, you're and in you the get, hospital and then you're dead. And, you're and <laughs> you didn't enjoy the time you had yeah. when you were young and had the freedom yeah. to. I'm guessing that's where the, this moral is going. <laughs> and the story's over. <laughs> Rejoice with us, said the air and the sunlight. <laughs> Enjoy thine own bright life in the fresh air. I love that the air is high as hell. Uh, the air is definitely a hippie. <laughs> Stoned off its face. Enjoy with us. Rejoice with us, man. Do it. Enjoy thine own bright life in the fresh air, dude. I mean, let's be real. That is hippies skipping through the forest yep. smoking weed. I mean, the, when I smoked weed, I enjoyed the forest. <laughs> but the tree would not rejoice, though it grew taller every day. And winter and summer, its dark green foliage might be seen in the forest while passers-by would say, What a beautiful tree. Aww, see, he's pretty. A short time before Christmas, the discontented fir tree was the first to fall. As the axe cut oh! through the stem and divided the pith, the tree fell with a groan to the earth. Conscious of pain and faintness, and forgetting all its anticipations of happiness in sorrow at leaving its home in the forest. Yep. 
It knew that it should never again see its dear old companions, the trees, nor the little bushes and many-colored flowers that had grown by its side, perhaps not even the birds. Neither was the journey at all pleasant. The tree first recovered itself while being unpacked in the courtyard of a house with several other trees, and it heard a man say, we only want one, and this is the prettiest. <laughs> then came two this servants. This is going to fuck with me forever, I feel, this story. Whenever I go, like, Christmas tree shopping, I'm just going to be, like, I'm going to have very, very, uh... Oh, yeah, uh, 100%. This is going to be traumatic. This is, like, this is... <laughs> this is going to fuck with me the way Toy Story fucked with oh, me. Oh, yeah. But worse, oh. the way Toy Story, Toy Story 3 really fucked, fucked with me. With yeah. me. When they're about, oh, God. Goddamn Schindler's Toy Box. <laughs> the movie is horrifying. It is. It makes me weep. <laughs> Damn you, Pixar. Damn you, Disney. Then came two servants in grand livery and carried the fir tree into a large and beautiful apartment. On the walls hung pictures, and near the great stove stood great china vases, or vases, if you prefer, with lions. Does it lions. actually say that? No, I said oh. that. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, that's funny. <laughs> with lions on the lids. There were rocking chairs, silken sofas, large tables covered with pictures, books, and playthings worth a great deal of money. At least, the children said so. <laughs> Then the fir tree was placed in a large tub full of sand, but green, oh, what was that word? Bays? Bays. Bays. Yeah. Oh, yeah, from like two the, stories from ago. From like two stories ago. I read it in the, don't go in, into the room in the, the tower. Yeah. The room in the tower, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bays, B-I-A-S. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the green felted, is it a door again? Uh, no. Oh, okay. No. Now this green felted stuff. Um, oh, in case this is your first episode, I, I apologize. <laughs> uh, two episodes ago, we looked up the word bays, B-A-I-Z-E. I might be pronouncing that wrong. And it turns out to be essentially a felted cloth. It's like what's on a uh, pool table. Like what's on pool stuff. tables. Yeah. So uh, then the fir tree was placed in a large tub full of sand, but green felted stuff hung all <laughs> around it so that no one could see it was a tub. And it stood on a very handsome carpet. Oh, it's like a, a, a tree blanket, a tree, yeah. tr- a, a tree skirt. Yeah. yeah. How the fir tree trembled. What was going to happen to him now? Some young ladies came and the servants helped them adorn the tree. On each branch, they hung little bags cut out of colored paper. And each bag was filled with sweetmeats. From other branches hung gilded apples and walnuts. Okay, do we need to give sweetmeats a minute? I'm going to hang my sweetmeats on you, honey. Merry Christmas. Hey. I put my sweet meats in a paper sack. <laughs> let me let me hang me. Hang, fuck. Let me try that again. <laughs> Take two. Hey, I put my sweet meats in a paper sack. Oh, did you? Let me hang them on your branch. <laughs> Ew, <laughs> that's disgusting. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> oh no. Now I'm just like, there's so many jokes about tea bags and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Let me tea bag your sweet meats. Does anyone <laughs> God, that that is a graphic image in my head. Um, does anyone? Uh, I'm just gonna ask if anyone is listening that uh, actually still hangs like food on their tree. Does any is this still tradition anywhere? Like where you actually like hang meat on your tree? Oh, I hey, feel like actually, that's that, gross. That, I mean, that seems a little bit weird. But like, um, if you still hang meat on a tree, I want to know about it, <laughs> and I want to know. How often you get food poisoning around the holidays? Because <laughs> that just seems not great. And then you walk in the room, and like the smell of a Christmas tree, like a fir tree, is beautiful. But then you got a mix of like meat and like. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like when someone um, cooks fish in the company microwave. Yeah. And then you come in with Febreze to try to cover the smell. So then the entire office or whatever smells like fish and flowers. Yeah, fish and like balsam wood Febreze. <laughs> it's like, nope, that didn't work. Now it just smells like a mixture of you. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, that was a random tangent about sweet meats. <laughs> On one branch, they hung little bags cut out of colored paper, and each bag was filled with sweet meats. <laughs> From other branches hung gilded apples and walnuts, as if they had grown there. And above and all round were hundreds of red, blue, and white tapers, which were fastened on the branches. Dolls, exactly like real babies, were placed under the green leaves. The tree had never seen such things before. Wait, what the fuck? Why there are babies? <laughs> because... Christmas trees aren't creepy enough. You need to put tiny little baby dolls on them. Ew. And at the very top was fastened a glittering star made of tinsel. Oh, it was very beautiful. Yeah. And horrifying, covered in meat and, and babies. babies. <laughs> Come over and see our Christmas tree. We've hung our sweet meats and uh, stuffed it with babies. <laughs> like, what the? It Harold Angels <laughs> This does make it sort of feel like it's not Christmas. This is some fucked up Cthulhu holiday. It's probably like, it's like the pagan version of what Christmas like was based on. I mean, really, like, it's like we've sacrificed these miniature like animals and stuffed them into bags and hung them on this tree. And then we've uh, made some like creepy baby dolls and shoved those in the tree. It's like, ugh. And we're hanging candles on it because forest fires it. because forest fires shouldn't just be for outside anymore. <laughs> yeah. Also, like I know this is the the least of the problems, but come on, apples don't grow on fir trees. No, neither do walnuts. <laughs> Nor do sweet meats grow on any trees. This evening, they all exclaimed, "How bright it will be!" Oh, that evening were come, thought the tree, and the tapers lighted. Then I shall know what else is going to happen. Will the trees of the forest come to see me? I wonder if the sparrows will peep in that window as they fly. 
Shall I grow faster here and keep on all these ornaments summer and winter? But guessing was of very little use. It made his bark ache. (laughs) And this pain is as bad for a slender fir tree as a headache is for us. Oh, no. He gave himself a headache from thinking. Yeah. (laughs) I hate when that happens. Uh... Well, that's why you can't be what if and what if in your life away, because you're going to you give, yourself give yourself a, a damn headache. headache. <laughs> these, are, these, are, these are pretty on-the-nose metaphors, actually. Yeah, it's really good. At last, the tapers were lighted, and then what a glistening blaze of light the tree presented. It trembled so with joy in all its branches that one of the candles fell among the green leaves <gasps> and burnt some of them. Ow! Help! Help! exclaimed the young ladies, but there was no danger, for they quickly extinguished the fire. After this, the tree tried not to tremble at all. Though yeah, the tree's the, like, fuck. Though hurt. the fire frightened him. He was so anxious not to hurt any of the beautiful ornaments, even while their brilliancy dazzled him. And now the folding doors were thrown open and a troop of children rushed in as if they intended to upset the tree. They were followed more silently by their elders. For a moment, the little ones stood silent with astonishment. And then they shouted for joy till the room rang and they danced merrily round the tree while one present after another was taken from it. What are they doing? What will happen next? thought the fir. At last the candles burnt down to the branches and were put out. Then the children received permission to plunder the tree. Oh, how they rushed upon it till the branches cracked, and had it not been fastened with the glistening star to the ceiling, it must have been thrown down. The children then danced about with their pretty toys, and no one noticed the tree, except the children's maid, who came and peeped among the branches to see if an apple or a fig had been forgotten. Fucking kids! They just pinataed the shit out of this Christmas tree. Yeah. Like, like, what the hell? Well, <laughs> they were told they could. That's messed up. They came in and pilfered the tree. And maybe it's because the tree's our main character, but like, that's messed up. <laughs> a story, a story, cried the children, pulling a little fat man towards the tree. Now we shall be in the green shade, said the man as he seated himself under it, and the tree will have the pleasure of hearing also, but I shall only relate one story. What shall it be? The Little Mermaid. Ivied Avid? Oh, are we looking up a word? Yeah, I think it's a story. Okay, spell it. I-V-E-D-E hyphen A-V-E-D-E. First thing that came up without me even. It's a fairy tale. (laughs) I figured it was a fairy tale because it's, the line is, what shall it be? Ivied Avied or Humpty Dumpty who fell down the (laughs) stairs but soon got up again and at last married a princess. 
What? I don't know that version of Humpty Dumpty. Very different version of Humpty Dumpty Uh, than the one I know. Humpty Dumpty fell and broke like those kids just fucked up that tree. But I was, but I'm curious what Ivied, Avid, or Avid. The first reference that comes up when you click on it is this story. Oh. (laughs) Um,. So I'm guessing it is a real, like it is like actually a Danish, uh, like Christmas fairy tale, folk tale. tale. But nothing about how to pronounce it? Uh, I don't see anything about how to pronounce it. Yeah. Ivied Avid or Humpty Dumpty who fell down the stairs but soon got up again and at last married a princess. Mm -hmm. Ivied Avid cried some. Humpty Dumpty, cried others, and there was a fine shouting and crying out, but the fir tree remained quite still and thought to himself, Shall I have anything to do with all this? But he had already amused them as much as they wished. Then the old man told the story of Humpty Dumpty, who fell downstairs and was raised up again and married a princess. I guess that's all that's we get. the whole story. <laughs> and the children clapped their hands and cried, Tell another, tell another! For they wanted to hear the story of Ivied Avid. Me too. But they only had Humpty Dumpty. That fat man. <laughs> After this, the fir tree became quite silent and thoughtful. Never had the birds in the forest told such tales as Humpty Dumpty, who fell downstairs and yet married a princess. So here's the moral of the story. If you fall downstairs, you can still marry a princess. (laughs) Dear listener, please do not test this theory. We are not saying that if you fall downstairs, you automatically get to marry a princess. No, you just still can only if you fall downstairs as an egg are shattered and then are put back together, do you get to marry a princess? We don't know that that's what happens. <laughs> Never had the birds in the forest told such tales as Humpty Dumpty who fell downstairs and yet married a princess. Ah, uh, yes, so it happens in the world, thought the fir tree. He believed it all because it was related to such a nice man. (laughs) Ah, well, he thought, who knows? Perhaps I may fall down too and marry a princess. See? See? You gotta explain this shit to people. And he looked forward joyfully to the next evening, expecting to be again decked out with lights and playthings, gold and fruit. Tomorrow I will not tremble, thought he. I will enjoy all my splendor, and I shall hear the story of Humpty Dumpty again, and perhaps Ivied Avid. And the tree remained quiet and thoughtful all night. In the morning, the servants and the housemaid came in. Now, thought the fir tree, All my splendor is going to begin again. But they dragged him out of the room and upstairs to the garret and threw him on the floor in a dark corner where no daylight shone, and there they left him. 
What does this mean? Thought the tree. Oh, God. What am I to do here? I can hear nothing in a place like this. And he had time enough to think. For days and nights passed and no one came near him. And when at last somebody did come, it was only to put away large boxes in a corner. So the tree was completely hidden from sight as if it had never existed. It is winter now, thought the tree. The ground is hard and covered with snow so that people cannot plant me. I shall be sheltered here, I dare say, until spring comes. How thoughtful and kind everybody is to me. Still, I wish this place were not so dark as well as lonely with not even a little hair to look at. How pleasant it was out in the forest while the snow lay on the ground when the hare would run by, yes, and jump over me, too, although I did not like it then. Oh, it is terribly lonely here. Oh, no. <laughs> so sad. Why'd they just throw him into a room? Like, uh-huh. that's weird. Danish people. <laughs> Squeak, squeak, said a little mouse, creeping cautiously towards the tree. Then came another, and they both sniffed at the fir tree and crept between the branches. Friends. Oh, it's very cold, said the little mouse, or else we should be so comfortable here, shouldn't we, you old fir tree? I'm not old, (laughs) said the fir tree. There are many who are older than I am. "'Where do you come from, and what do you know?' asked the mice, who were full of curiosity. "'Have you seen the most beautiful places in the world? And can you tell us all about them? And have you been to the storeroom where cheeses lie on the shelves and hams hang from the ceilings? One can run about with tallow candles there and go in thin and come out fat!' (laughs) "'Cheeses for us, Mises!' I know nothing of that place, said the fir tree, but I know the wood where the sun shines and the birds sing. And then the tree told the little mice all about its youth. They had never heard such an account in their lives, and after they had listened to it attentively, they said, What number of things have you seen? You must have been very happy. Happy, exclaimed the fir tree. And then he reflected upon what he had been telling them. He said, Ah, yes, after all, those were happy days. But when he went on and related all about Christmas Eve and how he had been dressed up with cakes and lights, the mice said, How happy you must have been, you old fir tree! I am not old at all, (laughs) replied the tree. I only came from the forest this winter. I am now checked in my growth. "'What splendid stories you can relate,' said the little mice. 
and the next night, four other mice came with them to hear what the tree had to tell. The more he talked, the more he remembered, and then he thought to himself, those were happy days. Oh, this is like the old person in the, like, old folks' home that, like, tells all the stories. <laughs> I love, I so, yeah. This is, this is, um, a very, uh nostalgic bittersweet kind of story it's really beautiful and like yeah those were happy days but they may come again humpty dumpty fell downstairs <laughs> and yet he married the princess <laughs> perhaps i may marry a princess too and the fir tree thought of the pretty little birch tree that grew in the forest which was to him a real beautiful princess. Oh, damn! Fir tree got a crush. <laughs> Fir tree's like, mmm, I liked looking at that birch tree. <laughs> Who's Humpty Dumpty? asked the little mice. And then the tree related the whole story. He could remember every single word. And the little mice were so delighted with it that they were ready to jump to the top of the tree. The next night, a great many more mice made their appearance. And on Sunday, two rats came with them. But they said it was not a pretty story at all. And the little mice were very sorry, for it made them also think less of it. <laughs> Do you know only one story? asked the rats. Only one, replied the fir tree. I heard it on the happiest evening of my life. But I did not know I was so happy at the time. Oh, gosh. We think it is a very miserable story. Shut up, rats. rats. Fuck you, rats. Don't you know any story about bacon or tallow in the storeroom? <laughs> no, Fucking replied rats. the tree. Many thanks to you then, replied the rats, and they marched off. Get out of here. No one likes you and your creepy tail. The little mice also kept away after this, <gasps> and the tree sighed and said, it was very pleasant when the merry little mice sat round me and listened while I talked. Now that is all past, too. However, I shall consider myself happy when someone comes to take me out of this place. But would this ever happen? Yes. One morning, people came to clear out the garret. The boxes were packed away, and the tree was pulled out of the corner and thrown roughly on the garret floor. Then the servant dragged it out upon the staircase where the daylight shone. Now life is beginning again, said the tree, rejoicing in the sunshine and fresh air. Then it was carried downstairs and taken into the courtyard so quickly that it forgot to think of itself and could only look about. There was so much to be seen. The court was close to a garden where everything looked blooming. Fresh and fragrant roses hung over the little palings. The linden trees were in blossom, while the swallows flew here and there, crying, Twit, twit! Twit, my mate is coming! 
It's Twitter painted time. It's spring. Everybody's doing it. But it was not the fir tree they meant. <laughs> now I shall live, cried the tree, joyfully spreading out its branches. But alas, they were all withered and yellow, and it lay in a corner amongst weeds and nettles. The star of gold paper still stuck in the top of the tree and glittered in the sunshine. In the same courtyard, two of the merry children were playing who had danced round the tree at Christmas and had been so happy. The youngest saw the gilded star and ran to pull it off the tree. "'Look what is sticking to the ugly old fir tree,' <gasps> said the child, treading on the branches till they cracked under his Fuck boots. You! I hate these kids suck. I hate them so much. The kids and the rats, man. Screw you guys. Funny how you can get so uh, emotional over the treatment of a tree as soon as you give it a A personality. Voice. I know. This is mean. They don't know it's mean. It is mean. I I don't know. I I don't know. It makes me sad. You never climbed a tree? The, the rats were dicks. The, <laughs> the rats, rats were dicks. Knew, the rats knew they were mean. The kids are just, you know. Yeah, but they're being... literally rats. <laughs> I mean, that's true. That is very true. Um, where was Why'd they call them ugly? That's mean. They know that was a Christmas tree. Fucking labeling pieces of shh. I'm done. Continue. <laughs> and the tree saw all the fresh, bright flowers in the garden and then looked at itself and wished it had remained in the dark corner of the garret. It thought of its fresh youth in the forest, of the merry Christmas evening, and of the little mice who had listened to the story of Humpty Dumpty. Past, past, said the old tree. Oh, had I but enjoyed myself, well, I could have done so. But now it is too late. Then a lad came and chopped the tree into small pieces till a large bundle lay in a heap on the ground. Oh. The pieces were placed in a fire under the copper, and they quickly blazed up brightly while the tree sighed so deeply that each sigh was like a pistol shot. Then the children, who were at play, came and seated themselves in front of the fire and looked at it and cried, Pop! Pop! But at each pop, which was a deep sigh, the tree was thinking of a summer day in the forest, and of Christmas evening, and of Humpty Dumpty, the only story it had ever heard or knew how to relate, till at last it was consumed. The boys still played in the garden, and the youngest wore the golden star on his breast, with which the tree had been adorned during the happiest evening of its existence. Now all was past. The tree's life was past, and the story also. For all stories must come to an end at last. Oh my goodness! That one got me really emotional. That's very sad. <laughs> I just got very upset. <laughs> this is what happens when you read Hans Christian Andersen fairy tales. Oh my god. They I'm are like not crying. happy. Oh my god, but it was like so beautifully written and like such a like 
such an interesting way to like tell children like to like be happy in your the like be happy in your the moments because you don't realize what you have until it's gone. Yeah. Pay attention to the moments you've got. Yeah. And like, yeah. Oh my God. That was so beautiful. And so (laughs) and that tree. Oh my God. I'm going to kick the shit out of some rats. (laughs) (laughs) When we move back to New York. Yeah. We'll just. Pizza rat. You better watch out. Pizza rat. Head down into the subway and start kicking rats. (laughs) Kicking rats. That won't get me in trouble or put on YouTube. Well, it'll definitely get you on YouTube, but, you know, (laughs) it might help the podcast. Okay, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was so, like... (laughs) I'm trying to decide if there is, um, (sighs) uh, if there is some sort of, um... Uh, quip or joke that would appropriately bring me out of this sort of melancholic. Uh, yeah, it's pretty, but the moral of the story is you're going to die someday, so you better enjoy it while you can. I mean, that is kind of the moral of the story. Um, is like, Well, no, that, that is the moral of the story. And, and I'm going like, uh, ordinarily, this is the part where I crack a few more jokes and then tell people to subscribe and, and tell their friends. But I'm, I'm like, that's not where this one left me. Um. What it kept making me think of, like, because now I'm every time I see a Christmas tree, now ours is fake in here. The one downstairs is real, and my parents got, um, is like in in, in uh, Friends when Phoebe like tries to rescue all the shitty trees because so that like, they can fulfill their purpose. Yeah, she's like, why, why are they, why aren't they getting taken? And so she tries to rescue all the ugly trees, and like that's that's real, and it's like very uh. Charlie Brown and like yeah it's just like you can find beauty in in everything if you if you just open your eyes and like observe well and in an ashes to ashes dust to dust kind of uh mentality the 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 ashes of the tree will bring another tree return to the rising like a phoenix blah 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 all of that yeah there is that that moment of it too and like a circular circular thing but oh and i hope the mises continue to like tell the story of humpty dumpty and like christmas to like their next people so like his like the tree's story so his his story can go on and the little and the little bunny in the forest like talks about how you should jump over the little tree yeah and the rats get caught in a trap and die and the rats die when they eat the sweetmeats that fell off the tree months ago <laughs> and rotted and <laughs> they corrode their arteries. And maybe that kid who called it an ugly tree tries to reenact Humpty Dumpty and breaks both his legs. It does and, not marry a and princess. And never walks again. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, they're all fictional characters. They're all fictional characters. I get so personally and they, invested. And in if these. they weren't, if they weren't fictional characters, they'd all have been dead like a hundred years ago. That is also true, <laughs> um, except for the tree, because if, if they just left it planted, it'd probably still be growing, most likely. Maybe, although even that—that's yeah, almost that's it, a long time it'd be for closing a fir tree. in on two hundred years old. That's a long time for a fir tree. That's true. Um, yeah, but it—I mean—it fulfilled its like. It had this beautiful night of like being the most beautiful thing and like it acknowledged that. 
afterwards. Afterwards. But it acknowledged that it had a like beautiful night, yeah. which you know, it, and it acknowledged all its other happy times. So that's that's good. Mm-hmm. That's. I'm very melancholy right now. <laughs> Why were children's stories so fucked up for so long? Um, like I think of nursery rhymes and well, and yeah, like little like children's lip, stories. Yeah, and they're horrifying. Uh huh. And depressing. Yeah, they're dark as hell. <laughs> when when did when did children's stories go from this to Sea Spot Run uh, or Clifford the Big Red Dog? I. And I wonder if those stories existed like, then too, but these have stuck because they are like cautionary tales. Or at least like, like a, of equivalent reading level, at least like the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. When did uh, any of you uh, literature buffs who like studied history of lit or something, <laughs> you want to let us know if there's like, if there was a, was it the 50s, the whole idealism, like the 40s and 50s when like America very much shifted um, and the whole American dream idea happened? Uh, uh, maybe it was during World War II. Everyone yeah. was just like, well, fuck this depressing shit. We're going to write about a happy puppy dog, you know? <laughs> My main character is a cat who finds her way home. Yeah, like Homeward Bound. <laughs> oh, Homeward Bound. <laughs> Now that movie makes me cry every time, but yeah. happy tears. Anyway, um, that was lovely. I mean, Hans, Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah. I'm Hans Christian Andersen. Andersen. He'll always I, be Danny Kay to me. I have never seen this movie. And so, and I love Danny Kay because like Christmas is our family's Christmas film. And I, I'm obsessed with Danny Kay. I think he's brilliant. Um, so, Ken's going to show me Hans Christian Andersen now because I've never seen it. And apparently that is one of the many things that has been named after him is there's an entire movie there's an about entire him. Movie. Yeah. So that's um, that'll be the second movie we watch for this podcast. We still have to watch Halloween. Yes, we do. Which is a weird <laughs> movie to watch right now. <laughs> my, I'll go down to my parents and be like, hey, um, we'll watch Halloween tonight. No, nah, not Christmas Carol, not like Polar Express. No, we want to watch a slasher flick even, from the not 80s. Even going, not even going Gremlins or Die Hard. Yeah. Which at least <laughs> could, technically happen could on, have on like Christmas. Christ- yeah. And like, I would argue they are Christmas movies, but yeah. Halloween, just a yeah. slasher flick. Like Krampus, <laughs> that movie they made, which was with which like I Adam Scott. Really like. It's really fucked up. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that was our happy holiday tale. <laughs> yeah, um, sorry, I tried. sorry if sorry if the the chat at the end got a little meandery and rambly, but mostly I kind of fel't like I wanted to leave you on a happy yeah, <laughs> I, I, needed, I needed to go off I wanted to bring to go the mood away. back up a little bit. Um, um, hope you enjoyed the story though. It was beautiful writing. Yes. Uh, let so us know what kind of those stories critics that said he didn't wasn't good because he clearly was. Let us know what kind of stories you want to hear more of. Let us know what kind of stories you want to hear less of. Just let us know what kind of stories you want to hear. Yeah. Uh, reach out. Say hi. Yeah. All we want for Christmas is for you to listen, like, share, or subscribe. Or all four. So <laughs> we'd love that. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There's, There's just one thing, thing I, need. I need. I like this key down here. This is great. <laughs> um. 
Yeah, I think that pretty much does it. Yeah. So uh, thanks for listening. This has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. And just remember, fuck the rats. Thank you.